titled this lesson, Just a Christian, out of Acts 11. Uh, really enjoyed this study. We ended up talking. It was, it was interesting. Um, Kai and Colleen and I think Bart and I ended up, maybe it was, maybe it was you and I ended up talking um, about some of the material that I'll cover today. Um, and so it was kind of interesting how I, I'm in a study and, and then it, just the conversations happen throughout the week. Acts 11, uh, verses 19 through 26. It says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. This text is, is exciting because, because we are reading about the beginnings of, of Jesus' work in a new part of the world. Uh, this work at Antioch, which is, is going to be the first, the first Gentile church. This is extremely significant in the history of the New Testament. This was a th- it was a thrilling time because, because these are people who may never have, they may never have heard the word Jesus. And yet for the first time, they, they hear about him, um, they believe in him. And, and they become disciples. It is exciting because, because God is working with them. The Holy Spirit is with them. Jesus is opening doors. Um, it's refreshing to read about because this is a time prior to when men began debating about the Bible and which man's teaching that they preferred. It was a time prior to when man... Uh, began to interject uh, our own teachings, our own traditions, um, our own extra-biblical salvation techniques, our own prosperity gospel, um, and draw people's attention away from the Word and away from the freedom, the freedom of the gospel of Christ. It's refreshing, again, to look back at a time uh, when, there was, when there was none of that. It was just this. When all, of, when all you were was just a Christian. And I want to ask, I want to ask this question to us. I don't expect an answer right now, but is that possible for us to, to just be, to be just a Christian? And I want to assure you from this text uh, and from others that we read about in the New Testament that it is possible. And if we can do what these people did and think the way that these people thought and be what they were, we can be just Christians the way that they were just Christians. And what I mean by that is that you, 
that you and I can emerge from a religious world, and that's a lesson in itself, religious world, where we are told that Jesus is, is a great way to get rich. Uh, we're told that Jesus just wants uh, us to smile at people, uh, or that Jesus has done, or, or, or that what Jesus has done is, is to invest all of his authority on earth in the Pope. And religion, everybody has a religion. Atheists have a religion. And Dad's talked about that, and I'm not going to get into it. But we all have a religion in our lives, and, 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 and what we come out of this false world uh, is, is to just be a Christian. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. Don't you want to do that? I know I do. What does it mean to just be a Christian? Well, in the text, in Acts 11, we learn that the believers are scattered after a time of persecution. And initially, the gospel of Christ is only being shared with the Jews. Then some of the believers who go to Antioch, they start sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, and they have, they have a great success And Barnabas and Paul go to Antioch for a full year, teaching a great number of people. They are there called Christians for the first time. And let's talk about the word Christian and what that means. And Dad's probably thinking all of his Greek stuff, and I just keep thinking. I'm not going to get that deep into it. I'm sorry. The word Christians, it reveals a belief, okay? Up until this time in verse 19, they were only preaching to the Jews. But then they go to the Gentiles as well, uh, and, and the believers in Christ are distinguished, Jew and Gentile alike, into this belief, and they are called Christians. They are no longer a sect of Judaism as described in the book of Acts. They had a very specific belief about Christ. Matthew 16, uh, starting in verse 13, I didn't. I guess I didn't do the rest of the verses there. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the the Messiah. Isn't it it awesome that Jesus, he always pushes the disciples to engage with him in a personal way. I really like that. That it's not... It's not just about what everybody else says, but what do you think, he says. And Peter says, he says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Christ is the Greek word, (laughs) the translation of the Jewish word Messiah, the anointed one, the savior, the one who would be anointed to be king. Uh, he was of the lineage of David. He would reign forever on his throne. 
he would be the one through whom God would, who God would, would save his people and reestablish the kingdom. And Matthew here, and P- Peter says, and Matthew says in his book, he says, you are that guy. That, that is a statement of Jesus' identity. He was connected with God more than a servant. The Hebrew writer makes this distinction that, that Moses served God as a servant, but Jesus as a son. Big difference between a servant and a son. You are the son of God. You are in this special relationship with God. You are God. Peter did, Peter did good in his response, didn't he? Because, because that's exactly who Jesus is. But you notice how, how that belief here, uh, b- the belief stated here, hinges on the idea of Christ. And surely that is why those people in Antioch called them Christians, because all they kept hearing about was how Jesus is the Christ. That's what they believed. Um, that made them different from Jews who never came to accept that Jesus was, was that Christ. And, and as Jews today say, maybe he just hasn't, maybe just hasn't shown up yet. But Christians, the word Christians, it reveals a belief. And a lot of what happens in the Gospels is, is people slowly coming to understand and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And sometimes, not so slowly, as, as shown here in John 1, as they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. I love the story of Nathaniel. It reminds me of people who just so quickly convert to, Christ, to Christianity in Christ. They just, they love, they love it and, 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 and it's, it's not a fight. And Nathaniel is, I, I wish, I, I want to meet Nathaniel in heaven for sure. But he, he said, he just, it was just so easy and Jesus says, you're, you're, you're going to see so much greater than this. Just because I could tell you that you were under the fig tree earlier. Nathaniel comes to believe that Jesus is the king. He is the son of God. In John chapter 6 here, it says, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God, the Holy One of God, the Messiah, the Christ. We're not walking away, they say. You are the promised one. In John chapter 20, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Uh, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, Peter's preaching about Jesus to the very people who killed Jesus. And the part of the sermon where he punches them in the face with his words, he says in, in verse 36, he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain 
that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. He also calls him Lord here. He's not just the Christ or the Messiah. It indicates a position in which he can direct. We cannot state that I believe that Jesus is the Messiah without also accompanying that belief that that he has the right to tell me what to do. Uh, He is Lord and he is going to direct. You don't have Christians who believe in Jesus but don't obey. Who, who do believe in Jesus but don't obey. They, they make him Christ in their hearts, and they make him Lord. Uh, and then continuing in verse 37, he says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles' brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each one of each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, re- the reason for the question of what shall we do is because They now believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Messiah. And Peter's response is pivotal. Where's Jonah? Pivotal. That's your word for this week. (laughs) Peter's response is pivotal to the he. We have a new word that we learn every week. Pivotal to the first century church, and they repent, they're baptized for, their forgive, for the forgiveness of their sins, and they receive the Holy Spirit, just as we practice and believe today. In Acts, Acts 11, our, our first, our first uh, passage in, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians, and this, re- and this word, it reveals an allegiance. In the New Testament, okay, you have the idea of the Herodians. Do you remember reading about the Herodians? People who are loyal to... That's right, and, and there are the party of Herod, right? In secular literature, uh, you have the Caesarians, people who were loyal to the party of Caesar, right? And so Christians are people who don't just believe Jesus is the Christ. They are of the party of, of Christ. They are followers of Christ. Uh, their allegiance was not with, with John Wesley or Martin Luther or Paul, the apostle. They are, allegi- they are of the allegiance to Christ. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You're talking about uh, people who say, that's, that's my guy. Jesus is my guy. He's my shepherd. I'm following him. I know his voice. And sometimes that allegiance is tested in the pages of the New Testament where these people have to make a choice. Am I going to be a Christian? Or am I going to compromise in that faith? Acts chapter 5, this is when the apostles are arrested. It says, Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. It says, you can threaten me, but if it's a choice between I obey you and I obey Jesus, oh, well, you know who I'm going to pick. That's what he's saying. I am a Christian. My allegiance is here. And if I obey you, then I am obeying you instead of God. Hmm. This is the part where they also say, go ahead and release us, but we're going to keep on doing mm-hmm. it. So in, in Galatians 5, Paul, uh, Paul is telling 
he's telling these Christians that that they have gone down the wrong road by believing that circumcision is required in order to get right with God. He says, you were running the race so well. I can just hear him. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. He says, this isn't Jesus. How are you doing this? If it's not from Jesus, why would you think this would be right? You have an allegiance to Jesus. Our house, our house church motto is simply to respond to any question with, what does the Bible say? That's it. Do you have an allegiance to Jesus, or are your allegiances spread thin with other teachings? What does the Bible say? I wish she would have fallen asleep on me. That looks so comfortable. Now, one of the, the one of the remarkable things about the New Testament church was that local churches were they were unified in what they believed and what they taught, um, and in fact, there was there was a remarkable amount of unity between place to place. And you go you go from one place to another, and and Paul talks about what he teaches in every church. Uh, this simply isn't it, it isn't the case anymore. I've always said I've always said, just this is just me, that the Bible Belt in America contains more lost souls than places in the world that you would call unchurched. Because these people check the box of their church's traditions, but never open the Bible to see what they are doing is following the commands of Jesus. So why you can you could go to ten you could go to and we can see ten churches on Whitesburg Drive and not a single one of them can agree on how to follow Jesus in a united way. First Corinthians Starting in verse 10, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 10, I appeal to you, dear brothers, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. This is what we were talking about. Or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. And we can see here that factions were already, in this, in this, in this instance, they were already starting in the early church, um, just as they are present today. Maybe they called themselves, I wonder if they called themselves Paulites, or Apolloists, or, or Peterists. They were already having their focus dragged away from, from Christ because... Because their focus, because they were having, they're having their focus dragged away from Christ, because they were they were focusing on men rather than God, and and they were no longer united because of this, and that's and that's what Paul is trying to bring the Corinthians back to. This is about Christ and nobody else. We all want to follow Jesus, but we divide when you introduce me, okay. That's when we divide. We divide when we begin to say, I want to follow Jesus like that guy. Or I want to follow Jesus this way. Or I want to follow Jesus like the way that that guy said to follow Jesus. That's, that's where division comes in. But if my allegiance is to Jesus alone, then we can be united. In Hebrews chapter 10, he says, And so, dear brothers, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, 
Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Notice, notice the order here. We are told to go, we're told to go right into his presence with sincere hearts, trusting him. And then we're told to hold tightly without wavering to this, to this hope, right? This is our relationship with God through Christ. We are cleansed by Christ's blood and we have an allegiance to Christ that we are not going to compromise. And we come together to encourage and remind each other, this is why we're here, right? We remind each other of that hope as we go, as we go through storms of life. Being a Christian reveals a belief, okay? It reveals an allegiance. It reveals a focus. I, I, I think I've, I've told this story before, but since we have some visitors, about uh, exactly almost five years ago, I had kidney cancer and I had my kidney removed. And when I was told I had cancer, my world focus just went whew, like that, right? Went right down. The, I had nothing outside of my peripheral vision. And I was so focused on Jesus. And it was so great. And it was such a blessing. And as you, five years later, I start to see peripherally again. And I just pray every day I want that, that focus again. And that's what I'm talking about here. This allegiance is a focus on Jesus alone. Is it possible to just be a Christian? Absolutely it is. I cannot tell you how glad I am that, that when people ask, what church do I attend? I can simply say, I meet with Christians in my living room. <laughs> when people ask, which denomination I am a part of, I simply respond that we are just Christians opening our Bibles and focusing on Jesus and what he has commanded us to do through his word. I think that's it. Will you pray with me? God, we're so grateful that we can come to you through Jesus to be able to open our Bibles and say, what does it say to do? And, 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 and we know for a fact that our focus is on Jesus. And we just want to follow him. And we want to set aside the traditions that we're used to um, and just focus on Jesus and see how much freedom that that offers us here and how much uh, joy that, uh, that that offers us here while we're here on earth. I, I just appreciate the time that, that I've had to focus and study this week on this, and, and I pray that um, these folks uh, learn something. And I just pray that we continue our studies throughout the week and we continue to worship you in your word, getting into your word and encouraging each other to focus on Jesus and be Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so now is the time where we 
we call it prayers and praises. And um, Colleen had requested, I don't know if that's possible anymore, 